Merry Christmas to every one of you. Welcome to Big Woods Bible Church. There is a sense, I know this, I know this. Whenever we gather on Christmas Eve, there's this idea that we're missing out on something like that's happening out there, okay? Let me assure you of this. There will be no gifts that are intended for you that will be opened at this very hour. There's no food that is for you that is going to be consumed by someone. That's your food. They're your gifts. You, you are missing nothing else by way of importance that's happening out there. As a matter of fact, by your choice this evening to be here, and you have made great effort, people have traveled long distance, you have made the right choice for it focuses our mind our hearts our attention where it needs to be where we need to be this evening i want to read a text that may strike you like that's not real christmasy it's not the matthew one it's not the luke two instead i want to direct your attention to first john chapter four i'm going to read Verses 7 through 10. I'm actually going to read as well, which is a little bit different for me. The words will be in front of you from the New International Version. The word of the Lord. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The word of the Lord. Before we pray, I want you to just pause on this one phrase that I just read, and I will repeat it. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son. Would you bow your heads and pray with me before we begin our time in the Word together. Father, we adore you. We worship you. We exalt your name above every other name. We thank you for your love that is demonstrated in this season as we have opportunity to, to listen and look at and, Lord willing, learn from Father, I would pray that as there is so much movement, busyness, a hectic pace, that in these few moments that everything would come to a screeching halt as we hear from you and you alone. Lord, we pray this evening for people that are hurting that are struggling, that understand this has been a difficult year. And we ask, Lord, that you would draw close to them and minister to them, remind them 
of your love for them. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the celebration of his birth. And we thank you, Lord, for what it leads to our salvation offered through the work on the cross. We are amazed. We stand in stunned silence over your grace, gracious love, your mercy. We thank you for that. Please help me to speak in a way that pleases you and you alone. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We've actually spent several weeks as the time of Advent, which the word Advent means the arrival, has moved toward its culmination, which is right now. We have looked at the subject last couple weeks of hope, and we've looked at peace, and we've looked at joy, and now this evening, we look specifically at the subject of love. Now think about these, we love the presence, we love the food, but these four things, hope, peace, joy, and love, are the very, very best parts of Christmas. And in today's world, in time, we can only, what, enjoy them partially. But the day is coming, one day, that we will fully enjoy them. So what happens is Christmas, a time that we set aside to celebrate the arrival of the incarnate one. This is when God embodied flesh. He took on human form. And, and we get it at some level. Hope is fulfilled in Jesus. Peace is offered through Jesus. And joy exists because of Jesus. But now when we get to the subject of love, this is where things begin to derail. This is where it gets blurry for us. Because the world's understanding of love is totally messed. Is totally confusing. Confused about the subject. Confused about the object of love. And our understanding of love today basically comes from those sappy songs and poems that we've been raised on that are just what filled to overflowing with feeling. Whereas what I want to remind you this evening is that love is actually based on who is doing the loving and who is loved as opposed to what you do. It's not based, true love is not based on what you do. And I've been reminded of this. It has been a joy to have all of our family travel from afar to spend time with Pop-Pop and Mimi. And now there's four little grandkids. Now think for a moment when my eight-month-old Theodore Knox climbs up into Pop-Pop's lap. And he has a diaper that is glowing green with toxic waste. Does what he does, what he has done, does that affect his love or my love toward him? Absolutely not. Yesterday, Noel, who was battling a little bit of a cold, came up to give me a hug and wiped her entire nose on my sleeve. 
Does, does my love move and change because of what she has done? When Denson and Levi are fighting over, they don't even remember what they're fighting over, just something, the last cookie, the latest toy. Does that change my love for them? Absolutely not. You see, what has happened is that we have been conditioned through this false idea of what I would call fake love. We hear words all the time. We've been raised on this. I tried to be appropriate by way of the different ages and demographics represented, but some of you remember the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love. All you need is love. And it's that we have that going through our mind right now. Ray Charles says, I can't stop loving you. Tina Turner says, what? What's love got to do with it? Only a heart that's going to be broken. Whitney Houston, this is arguably what they call one of the top greatest love songs of all time. I will always love you. The Bee Gees, how deep is your love? Phil Collins, groovy kind of love. Luther Vandross, the power of love. Beyonce, crazy in love. I'm an old school classic guy, and I kind of go with Elvis Presley. I just can't, what, help falling in love. With you, And everything, by way of our understanding, is based on some of these lyrics. Only fools, only fools rush in. Oh, but I, but I can't help falling in love with you. And it's based on this idea of feeling. When the truth is what? There is so much more than air supplies them all out of love. I'm so lost without you. Think with me for a moment. Creation, and let's go before that. In the, in the dark void of nothingness, in eternity past, there was God existing as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. As we just read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, God is love. So think about this for a moment, that love existed before all of creation. Even before the creator was actually called the creator, the father poured out his love and delight on his son. It says, who is the radiance of his glory and the exact imprint of his nature. Love has always, always flowed between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Love is what, by its very nature, something that spreads. It always moves outward. It moves forward. And we see this when God said, let there be light. And it was his word. It was his own Son that accomplished the task. As was read earlier this morning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. An author, a woman by the name of Quina Aragon, wrote this The love the Father has always had for his Son. The love the Father has always had for his Son, in a sense, spilled over to make creation. What does that mean? It means that by his great love, you are here. 
By, by his great love, you were created, formed and fashioned in your mother's womb. By his love, you have the breath of life. By his love, you have been created in his image for his glory. By his love, you and I have been given purpose. Yeah, but whoa. This, this moment that we're living in, like this has been a difficult season. And this is really, really hard. Like the brokenness that surrounds us and the sadness and the sorrow. Like how can we do this? How can we really accept the love that has been offered? How can we enjoy the love? And how can we, what, be loving in and of ourselves? Let me tell you how. It begins with the Christmas story. It begins, what, with this story that we hear all the time this time of the year. We sing about and we read about the birth of the Savior, the Messiah, the Rescuer, the Redeemer. Isaiah wrote, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you ever think about this, that what? The answer and the solution to virtually every single area of one's life is answered in Jesus. Emotionally, what? He's our counselor. Spiritually, what? He is our God. Personally, he's our heavenly father. Politically, he is our prince. Matthew continues and records what? He shall be named Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It says they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, there's a lot of names with a lot of expectations, all before he was ever born. There's no doubt we get excited about the birth of a baby. But you have to admit, our expectations and our announcements today, they're, they're, they're pretty subdued. Our, our announcements for a baby are, are what I would kind of say, kind of low bar. This past year as a church at Big Woods, we have experienced a baby Boom. One of the few blessings of a pandemic. One of the few blessings of time in quarantine. And so as a church, we've had plenty of reveal parties. We've had plenty of baby showers and baby announcements. And if you really lean in and listen, they're all kind of the same. They sound kind of like this. It's a boy. It's a girl. And that's all wonderful. But that's really, at some level, the extent of our announcement. Yes, he's got ten fingers, praise God, and ten toes. He's got mommy's eyes and daddy's nose. But they're pretty realistic expectations and announcements. As much as new parents really want. As much as new, new parents really want to announce that our son... Our son is going to grow up to offer a solution for global terrorism. We don't hear those announcements. 
As much as new parents want to admit, it's our daughter. She's going to grow up and she's going to end world hunger and racism. And she becomes what? The president of the United States. There's not those kind of announcements. They just don't exist. My son's going to be the next Nobel Peace Prize winner, a scientist that cures cancer. He's probably going to be an astronaut someday that walks, the first one to walk on Mars. We don't hear any of those kind of announcements about our little ones. We hear things like this. Hannah Mae's got like the greatest hair in the nursery. That's it. And she's got great hair. We hear things like what? Titus's head is kind of shaped like his daddy's head, just a little bit. But they're not like high bar announcements. Eleanor's got some pretty healthy lungs. We can all vouch for that, right? Not so. Not so when it comes to the announcement with Jesus. When it comes to the announcement of this baby being born, it's, it's, it's stuff like this. He's going to save the world. He's going to save the world. He will be present with all people at all places for all time. It kind of separates baby Jesus from every other baby that is born in the history of the world. And that's why we need to give Jesus our attention. That's why we what? We give up gathering at this hour on Christmas Eve to what? To offer him our due praise. That is why we what? We must adore. Adore him in worship. Now what I have found, what I've discovered in God showing this kind of love for us. This is how he shows his love for us. The birth of his son. Not, not only have I found and discovered this, this sheer delight of who is going to be born. But what I have been fascinated with, not just the sheer delight of who, but, but the, the serious darkness of the what? The time, of the environment, of the culture and context by which Jesus was going to severely disrupt everything by his birth. Yes, we know it was, it was meticulously planned through the Messianic prophecies. We know as well that it was what? Miraculously provided for through the virgin birth. But the entire setting, the entire scene was really dark, problematic. We could even say it was traumatic. Everything, everything seemed negative. Just listen. We usually don't read these types of phrases in the Christmas story, but listen to the key places and players in the plot. Bethlehem is too little. Never going to work. Nothing good comes out of Bethlehem. Mary, Luke chapter 1, what? She is greatly troubled. She gets news and she is just a wreck. Greatly troubled is the word that it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 29. Joseph gets word. How's his response? He is resolved to, to divorce her in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. 
Sounds like a pretty smooth plan so far. The shepherds are filled with great fear in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. Even Jesus, it describes what? Two words. There is no place. He has no place to lay his head. Now, rather than the cutesy Christmas card that we're all used to seeing, this entire event from the outside looking in looks like a total mess. Now, add to that centuries prior, add to that hundreds and hundreds of years of absolute rebellion, disobedience. A total disregard for the will and the ways of God. Add to that idolatry. Add to that selfishness. The Apostle Paul actually describes our circumstances like this. In Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses. Not a real, rosy, cutesy picture. But thankfully... Love. Thankfully, God's love, not dependent on what we have done, but who we are. Created in the image of the Most High God. Let's go back to the phrase that we started with. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. My favorite commentators, Matthew Henry, says it like this. Strange. He begins, strange that God should love impure, vain, vile dust and ashes. That he has loved us at such a rate, at such an incomparable value. He has given his own, his only beloved, blessed son for us. And yet, you and I know. We we know on our hard days that some of you are facing right now. It is not easy to feel God's love. It's, It's not easy to sense God's closeness and presence and promises. But you know what I believe? Upon the authority of the word of God, in the dark days, God is at work. In the dark days, in the difficult times, God is doing something. In times of confusion, in times of doubt and despair, it's not always easy to understand what God is doing. Let's look at some of the characters Don't you think when Joseph finds out that his fiancée is pregnant and he knows he's not the daddy, don't you think is this going to be a little upsetting to him? No wonder he feels like calling the whole thing off. I'm out of here. Don't you think when Mary was turned away from yet another inn, by the time she's actually lying, what? On the floor of a stable, pushing through contractions with straw that is needling her back. And there's sweat soaking, running down her neck in labor pains. Don't you think that, that she's probably saying, I don't like God's plan 
I don't like what he's put in place for me. Don't you think the shepherds, they're sick and tired of living in fear. The shepherds are the only ones that are what? They're constantly looking over their shoulder because somebody doesn't like them. Don't you think that they want to run the opposite direction as opposed to run toward the stable? Now, if you pan back from Scripture, you pan back from that scene and you get the wide-angle view of what God is doing in his plan to rescue and redeem mankind, this isn't the only time, this isn't the only what setting, culture, and context. The God's people feel like what? Things are going backwards rather than forwards. The Bible is filled with stories and people who it looks like they had been forgotten by God instead of loved by God. Maybe like some of you feel at this very moment any kind of pain, any kind of hardship that you could ever imagine that any person could face today. Guess what? There's one in Scripture who faced it before you. You may be facing depression and anxiety. Elijah certainly did. I just wish I was dead. You may be facing fear, like what's next? What's around the corner? I can't handle any more. Joshua felt it over and over and over again. That's the reason what? Be strong and courageous. Some of you have been rattled to the core with doubt this year. Moses certainly faced it. How about injustice? That's just not fair. Joseph felt that in experience injustice. How about infertility? Like, I thought God promises to bless at some level. Sarah and Hannah. Infidelity, Hosea. Sickness, Paul. Loss of a child, David. And Bathsheba. Loss of a family. Loss of livelihood, Job. The, the very experiences that what make a person feel that they have been totally abandoned by God are oftentimes the very circumstances that God is orchestrating what? So you will see his love and you will know his promises. The circumstances that we're oftentimes going through that we don't want to go through. God is saying, no, I'm showing you who I am and I'm promising I will never leave you or forsake you. So many people go back to what? I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. That love is this warm, fuzzy feeling of comfort and coziness. And one day it will be that. But until then, what? Think of Mary giving birth to Jesus. She was feeling very real pain. You mothers who have given birth can identify as a result of the curse of sin. We see in Genesis chapter 3.16. But the baby that she bore would reverse the curse. So that one day there would be no more tears. And there would be no more pain. And there would be no more suffering. You see it's in moments like this. When you feel pain and loneliness and helplessness. Uh, imagine 
how God himself felt as he watches his only son be tortured and killed and nailed to a cross. Imagine the pain that God felt watching his own son die so that you and I could live. I'm all about don't waste the moment. This Christmas season, be reminded, you have not been forgotten by God. This Christmas season, mark the day and the time, December the 24th, 2021, you have not been forgotten by God. God's love is not based upon feelings. It's not based upon circumstances. God's love is based upon his unchanging character, which is always, always good. And nowhere do we see the goodness of God on display more than when he offered what? The greatest gift, born to die from a wooden manger to a wooden cross for you. That's love. That is love. And that's the essence of why we push everything aside and we gather here this evening. And so tonight, I invite you. Some of you know all about and can feel the closeness and presence of God holding you as you remember his promises, even amidst the pain. And some of you can give testimony of God's faithfulness and give praise that you've been, what, unwavering in the trial. And then there's others of you that you still wonder why you even are here this evening. Somebody brought me here and I didn't want to be here. I invite you to trust since before the foundations of the world were set, God saw you and created you and purposed you to live in his image for his glory. And you're not going to do that when what? You constantly question who God is. And you're constantly arguing about God's plan for you. You're not going to experience the closeness of God's what? Intimacy. The glory of his grace and the majesty of his mercy. Unless you surrender. It actually says in the word of God, I love this, that today is the day of salvation. And so I invite you, if you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that today on Christmas Day, I invite you to open up the gift that has been offered to you. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of works. It is a gift. And enjoy living in full knowledge and assurance of God's unmoving love for you. Father, we are grateful that even in the midst of difficult times that you are doing a, a work. That you see us and that you know us. And I thank you, Lord, that it's in moments like this that we can pause and reflect on who you are. We thank you for the miraculous birth of Jesus. We thank you for the fact that Jesus lived an entire life here on this earth. Sinless, perfect. It was brought as a 
as a lamb to be slaughtered, as a sacrifice to pay the payment to atone for my sins, the sins of every person that's here, every person in the world. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation is offered when we accept you as our Lord and Savior. We desire to live in obedience to you. But I would pray that we would sense right now a new and a fresh strength from you to take that step of faith. We thank you, Lord, that you love us the way that you do. It's not based on what we do. It's simply based on who we are. And we thank you for who you are. Bless us as we strive to live for your glory in obedience to you and your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.